Welcome to China Manufacturing Decoded from Southeast, the podcast where we take you through some of the major topics facing importers and manufacturers in China today. Hi, everybody. You are listening to episode sixty-one of the pod. It's Adrian here, and I'm joined by our CEO Renault. Hi, Renault. Hey, hi, Adrian. Hi, everybody. So today the topic is managing tooling in China, and also covering what a tooling contract needs to include for importers. And so we're really going to get into what. What this management means, and a lot of the risks that you're trying to avoid,、mm. that can cause you trouble when you're fabricating your tooling in China or maybe other Asian countries, and also managing it once it's in use, storing it, and all of the rest of it. So, really, it's over to you on that, Renault. So,、mm. I guess the first thing to start off with is when we talk about managing tooling. I mean, what is included in that? Basically. You, as a, let's say, you are a buyer and you want you're developing your own new product. Okay, a product that is not currently made by the factory, so the factory needs some tooling to make it. Right, tooling. Let let's let's take plastic injection molding because it's the most common,、uh, extremely common in China. So. Let's say you have some kind of electromechanical product, some kind of maybe home appliance or, or 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 another type of product, and you want maybe the enclosure to have a different look, and maybe there's also some internal parts、uh, that that need to be made、um, to your custom design. Okay, so if you want to make it in volume, you you go into、um, to 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 go for the plastic injection molding process. Okay. And and you cannot do it without tooling, you know, without the molds actually. To、um, where you inject the, the the thermoplastic, and it solidifies and it's ejected, and 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 you use that part once it's cooled down、uh, on you know as a component of your product. So、mm. let let's let's take that as a definition of tooling. As a buyer, where is the tooling going to be made? It's going to be made either by your Plastic part supplier, or by a specialized tooling fabrication shop that usually they subcontract to. So, managing tooling really、um, it depends. If you are very hands off and you cannot trust your supplier, then you just tell your supplier, "Well, okay, I need this." Let's say you buy, let's say you buy a mouse, okay, for your computer. I have、mm-hmm. one right here, so you can think of that.、Um, you, you, you. You're going to buy a mouse、uh, with your own design, and you find a supplier, and you tell them, "I want this design." They say, "Okay, there's going to be a mold to make." Okay, fine. So if you're very hands off, you know. So they might say, "Okay, we believe in your product. You don't pay anything for the mold, and we'll just charge you for the, you know, to get our money back a little bit more per unit cost." And some customers are very happy with that because it means lower investment. Some customers reject that because it means,、uh, you know, lower control. It means usually they cannot own the intellectual property, and very often the mold itself is, you know, its shape, its design is a big part of the intellectual property rights of the product. Right. So a lot of customers, especially when they they've 
they've done a few rodeos, they, they, they don't like that. And they say, no, 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 I want control. I'm going to pay. Okay, so in either way, you know, even if they pay, uh, but they're very hands off, well, they let their supplier arrange everything, right? And in that case, managing the tooling is just sort of managing the expectations before. So that means, is it going to be made in hard steel? What grade of steel? How many shots can we get? You know, and one shot is one piece, okay. Then I understand. Um, do we own the intellectual property rights? Can you, you know, can we write that in a contract? So that's managing the expectations before, you know, and of course, you, Mr. Supplier, never use it to make any other products for other mm -hmm. for any other companies without our written authorization, right? So this is managing the expectations before. Then if you're very hands-off, you just wait for the samples that come out of the tooling after it's been made. And once the supplier believes that, you know, they are acceptable. And so you just wait, they, um, they design the tooling, they, um, they fabricate the tooling. So it's basically removing a lot of uh, material from uh, a big block of steel typically. Um, then once they believe it's, it's, uh, it's, it's fine and it's going through the different processes that, that, that they use, they will do a first trial. Usually they call it T0 in some industries. Um, and then there's usually adjustments to make and maybe T1, T2, you know, it gets to the point where they send you some samples and say, well, you know, this is what, this is the parts out of tooling. And, and then if you're very hands off, you just say, well, you look at it and either it's okay or not okay. It's simple approval, right? If you're very hands on, <laughs> you can go into a lot more things to reduce the risk because some, mm -hmm. some of these tools i mean are extremely expensive it's a lot of money if you if you if you invest in that for a lot of parts it's relatively complex very tight tolerances very long series maybe it's, it's got to take one million shots you know um <laughs> it, it's not gonna come cheap so there's a lot of risk because once tooling is made and you need to make some changes to it after you've accepted it formally, you know, you test it, you know, and then you, you have some issues and then you go back to the, to, to fixing it. Uh, the, the fabrication shop is not going to do the, the changes for free, right? It right. um, takes time and money. So, and, and sometimes you need several iterations of that, right? And then if the, the tooling is made, let's say in China and plastic injection that process actually takes place in Vietnam or in India or some other place. Well, oof, that, you know, uh, but, you know, difficult communication, you know, a lot of extra logistics to, to send the mold around and extra time to, to get it to the fabrication shop and back to the injection molding shop that, that, you know, you really want to, to get it approved. You, you want it, through a validating process, so mm -hmm. you you go much more in depth in covering the risks. Okay, so managing the tooling is, you know, you set your expectations, you watch and you know you review what they're doing if that makes sense, and then you know you double check and you confirm, 
you know that that's you know and, and then you might also want to um, to keep your hands on the on on that tooling uh, at certain points but we'll uh, we'll we'll get to that you know but yeah in a nutshell uh, that's managing tooling but again it's quite different for different buyers sure but that's good and it gives a quick overview of the fact that it's not just having your hands on the tooling which you did refer to it's a lot of different factors such as you know the contract about who's owning ip uh, mm-hmm. you know how to handle who's fabricating it and all the rest of it so that's great now you mentioned if things went wrong and, and tooling needed to be changed and it was already in say india and needed to be shipped back to china and, and that's that's a risk that everybody wants to avoid that's a mess okay and and time consuming expensive that's just one of the risks we face though if we're you know fabricating and then using tooling so there's probably quite a few to discuss so perhaps you can go through a number of these risks that we need to be aware of and you know maybe what's the solution to the risk right so if you look at the life cycle of a piece of tooling that is used for um, a manufacturing process such as plastic injection molding let, let, let's go through it one by one you know first okay. somebody designs the parts you know that will be made with the tooling later but at least some you know a, a design engineer uh, usually a mechanical design engineer works on the the, the, the the look of the parts and then you know into the de- the details and you know and to, the geometry of the parts, what material, what finishing, and so on. Okay, so here, if it's not designed with the process in mind, it might actually be impossible to make, or it might be impossible to make consistently with good quality, or for low uh, low budget. Okay, so mm. at this point. Uh, you need a DFM review, you know, design for manufacturing review, to uh, nice. to review, to point to issues, you know, and risks and so on, and get some iterations. Then, that you know, let's say the part has been designed. There's the the, the sourcing uh, step, where you really need to communicate precisely to the suppliers, you know, what you need, um, you know. What, what are the tolerances? What exactly is the kind of finishing? Um, and then, yeah, when it comes to tooling, how many shots you, you need out of it, right? Uh, that, that is really, really important. And of course, before you share any of that, you need to have them uh, sign a non-disclosure, non-use, non-circumvention agreement, um, the, you know, and, and probably also a development agreement uh, that will spell out what happens if there's a lot of quality issues? What happens if there's delays and things like that? You know, what are the milestones and maybe what are the payment terms like associated with the milestone? And later, hey, can you pull the tooling at any time? Um, you know, mm-hmm. yes, no, what, how is this going to happen? Um, so you need to be specific and, and, and structured in your request, request for quotation. Uh, then you need to compare apples to apples, of course, you know, when you get the, the, the quotes and then you need to uh, screen out the, the suppliers. You need to, to see what their capabilities are. 
are they going to make the tooling in-house or not? You know, do they know how to maintain the tooling nicely? Do you, you know, how, how mature are their systems and processes and so on and so forth? A lot of buyers we see, they pick the suppliers just because, you know, they have a nice polished English or they, they respond fast or they have a low price. You have a low price in the end might come with much higher cost. <laughs> so, you know, um, th there's a lot of risks here and you, you, you need basically to, um, to qualify potential supplier. Yeah. And again, if you're going to, if you're going to, to buy uh, a million parts, it's very different from 3000 parts, right? So you, you can't always go very much in depth, obviously. Then sure. uh, somebody is going to design the mold, okay? If you have not signed a development agreement, and if this is done by your supplier or the supplier of your suppliers, this is considered proprietary by the, the company that does that. And you will never see the design of the mold typically so yeah it's an issue <laughs> you're gonna get the final version of that drawing the 3d drawing of the mold mm -hmm. right uh it's not i would not say it's um it's critical actually i, I guess in most cases the buyer never sees that drawing but it, it can be useful to troubleshoot to to understand things and also, when, when the, um, the tooling fabricator or the, the plastic supplier work on that, do they do their own DFM analysis, right? So the good ones will do it, will do maybe some simulations, you know, on SolidWorks and these kinds of advanced software, you can do simulations and, you know, oh, if we inject it, you know, it's, it's gonna be, um, you know, the temperature, it's gonna be different like this around the mold. And then, you know, it might lead to different types of issues. Oh, and then, um, you know, the, the, the draft angles or, uh, you know, we, we, uh, okay, I don't want to get, to get into any of the technicalities here, but you, 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 you might need to, to change some of the angles relative to the, to the mold itself for mm -hmm. easy uh, ejection. Uh, you might need to add some ribs to, um, to, to, to make some parts of the, uh, the part themselves, you know, stronger. Uh, there's a lot of little things that a good supplier will um, will suggest. Sometimes they even, uh, you know, take screenshots of these uh, of of the CAD drawings and and of the simulations. Put it in a PPT a document, send it to the buyer with some comments. I mean, that's great. You're working with, um, you know a nice and professional supplier in, 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 in that case, or at least, you know, they're really trying to go above and beyond. It is not something that small buyers can expect, right? Because they're not, they're not going to work with the, 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 the first rate mold suppliers that are very, very um, uh, experienced in that and, and working with large companies uh, and, and, and so on and so forth. Yeah. Right? But that's always nice. So where was I? Yeah, the, the, the mold itself, let's say, is designed. Okay. Then it's going to be fabricated. And that takes, you know, 
20, 25, 30 days because machining very hard steel does take time and it's not just one process. You have various types of sort of cutting processes if you want, EDM cutting and so on at certain points, you know, some of them are quite, um, quite advanced and quite, um, it really goes into the precision of the, the, the location of the, the, the different cavities in, in, inside the mold, mm -hmm. right? So that, that takes time. And well, what happens is obviously if you, if you do that and, and they have more projects that they can handle, well, some of these projects are going to be late, you know, for a tooling fabrication shop, this is production, just like any other kinds of productions, uh, things can get behind schedule, right? Mm. So in some cases, uh, we just pay a visit and then we say, okay, what's, you know, sort of draw a Gantt chart and okay, how much time to do this? How much time to do this? How much time to do this? And then you're going to do what? You're going to do the trial and then how long to adjust and the next trial, how long to adjust typically, ta, ta, ta. And then um, either a visit on site to push them a bit and to also see where it's made <laughs> and, you know, or, or, or simply push um, with phone calls and WeChat calls and, 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 and things like that. Mm -hmm. So, the risk here is is the delay, right? And very often tooling is right there. Tooling fabrication is right there on the critical path. When you're developing your new product, you have your project, you really need to make sure that the full design, you know, product design is frozen. You get, you know, final prototypes that look like what you want, work as you like and so on. And then you go into tooling. Um, otherwise, you try to do things in parallel, and what happens is that tooling is engaged, or is, is ongoing, or maybe already finished, and you're still making iterations on, on the prototypes. Mm. And guess what? You're always going to have adjustments to make. And adjustments on the tooling already made can be expensive, but also when they cut, they're always metal safe, meaning that they, you know, it's, it's pretty bad to cut too deep. And then after that, having to, uh, to weld some extra metal because then it, 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 that part that is welded, you know, just added up after the fact because they cut too deep will not last a long time. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, and, and it will sort of get worn out faster. So you will need to send it, send a tool back to, to the shop to, um, you know, for, for maintenance, but actually it's, it's you know, it, it's, it's relatively advanced kind of maintenance of uh, you know welding again and 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 um, and re um, polishing and so on. So mm. sounds expensive. Yes, uh, it takes a bit of time. It's it's expensive and you need to do it re regularly. Otherwise, you start to have quality issues and so on. Mm. So that's, that, that, you know tooling. Yes, usually you wait and then you do the tooling once it's completely confirmed. Uh, and you don't, um, yeah, you, you, you don't want to make the tooling and then make changes to it, basically. And because uh, also one thing you want to do before going into tooling is you want to make sure, okay, this really, you know, the prototype I'm approving now, once tooling is made, and then we make some new uh, tooling samples, you know, pre-production, it's really going to look the same and feel the same and work the same and have the same um, physical 
properties and 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 things like that right mm -hmm. so that that's uh something really really important okay mm. then once the tooling has been uh fabricated they do their own little trial then they do some adjustments by the way there's always a need for adjustments um then you know there's like a cycle uh it's not a few hours <laughs> kind of more like um, you know five days a week um mm. to 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 get to the next trial um so it's important that the issues are noticed you know detected and pointed out otherwise um they fix not all of the issues only some of them and then the next trial you know again there's going to be still some issues and so on and so on and then uh, different trials will um will, will show different issues sometimes they mm -hmm. go in a certain direction but too far uh or something is not a problem and then it, be, it becomes a problem so there's this there's cases where you know the, you get to trial two trial three and uh there starts to be a lot of tension because again uh, timing is critical often, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, how to make sure that all the issues are detected? Well, then you know the the, the idea is to um, um, is to send an inspector there or to to get them to send you the the, the parts uh, as fast as possible and to um, to get the formal approval or a number of issues, you know, and sometimes. Maybe some parts are internal parts, you know, the, the aesthetics don't matter. There's something that doesn't look so good. Actually, maybe the customer really doesn't, doesn't care about, about it at all, right? But maybe dimensions mm -hmm. are extremely critical. So this has to be um, uh, made very clear. Okay, so now let's say you get the parts approved. It's okay, the tooling, does its job at least it makes the right parts typically the the tooling fabrication shop you know finishes their job here and then it's transferred the molds are transferred to the factory that will use the the, the molds for production and yeah. um there's sort of a, a sign off you know uh, it's important that they work together right so if you try to micromanage your supply chain. You, know, you pick the, the company that will make the tooling and then you, you pick another company that will do the, the injection molding. There's a lot of conflicts here because the, the, the supplier of plastic will say, mm, are your tools really good? Okay. But then as soon as there's a problem, they will say, well, because of your tools, you know, your, your tooling is not mm. good. Yeah, your tooling, you know, we have to do some manual adjustment after that. And then, oh, your tooling is, you know, it's, it's slower. We have to, um, you know, the, the cycle time is not 40 seconds or, or whatever. It's, you know, it's 1.2 or 1.5 minutes. That changes the economics a lot. Oh, really? Yeah, it's because of your tooling. <laughs> so mm -hmm. usually it's better to work very closely with the plastic supplier. And in, in, in some cases, they make it themselves, right? They, they, uh, uh, or they, they manage it themselves very closely and then they just send it to um, to a workshop around them to do some of the, um, some of the very specialized uh, processing. But in any case, you know, they should be responsible for it. Otherwise you never get out of this, this, this kind of problem. Now, 
there are special cases where it's not possible. You know, the, it's going to be made in, um, in, 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 in Europe or in, in Vietnam or somewhere uh, far away. And making tooling in China is sort of the only economic option, right? Because you have relatively good competences uh, and the cost is sort of unbeatable basically, right? Uh, so in that case, before transferring over, you, um, you might want to do more than just checking the parts, right? So there, there comes the, the more in-depth validation of the tooling. Uh, and that, that can take a few different forms. Uh, most basic form is to have an engineer go there and run through a checklist, right? Uh, look at the mode, anything that looks a bit weird, um, you know, uh, and, and, and there's, uh, how to say, they, they try to estimate the adequacy of the different um, details of the mode, okay? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, if there are spare parts or inserts, you know, are they, are, are they here? Are they present? Um, do, um, you know, the, 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 the rings and the sprues and things like that, uh, you know, is the size adequate? Um, the, the, you, you just go through a checklist like this, right? Uh, cooling circuit in and out, is it clear? Uh, you know, the how is it going to be ejected? <laughs> Uh, th 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 there's a lot of things, right? So you have a, an engineer who knows tooling who that, that, that checks it, that, that check the mold, all right? That's one thing. And you probably don't want to skip that because a lot of weird things can be, um, can, can be noticed at, the, at this stage. Uh, then um, if you, really want to reduce the risk, what some buyers do is they actually force uh, the, the, the tooling supplier, um, if they have some presses, to make a production run as you know a pilot run. Mm. And we had an episode before on pilot runs. You know, it, it applies for uh, the first time a new uh, product is going to be assembled, uh, but also the first time is going you know, the, the, the components, the custom components are going to be fabricated. Well, right here, there's a new mold for a new kind of part and you can actually do a pilot run and, and the pilot run might take four or five days. You know, it might, um, might consist of doing, a, doing a, a full shift, then uh, again, another full shift, then uh, um, following a, cer a certain procedure for maintenance, preventive maintenance. So taking the, the, the mold out, uh, you know, cleaning it and, and doing a certain number of things then putting it back in uh, and then going again. And, and then at the same time, what happens is that you have someone on site who checks the cycle time, who checks quality, you know, and how long, how many uh, shots do they have to do until they get to to acceptable quality, right? Because this is also um, important. So all these kind of things, 
to basically validate that it's okay and you know it's really as expected and yep. you um you won't run into a situation where where they put it in in the factory in vietnam and just time pressure and and all kinds of pressure and then the um, the, the 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 vietnam supplier says oh you know yeah problems because of tooling mm-hmm. and then you say what's wrong with tooling look we did all this validation run and it was fine what exactly is wrong uh you have a different kind of conversation here right yeah uh, yeah that's are, that's a good point that's yeah, a good if point there are issues you should already have noticed them right so mm. that that's really um validation through through a, a real pilot run right mm. then once you have <laughs> documented the setup you have uh approved the parts uh, you know ideally you have uh, validated the fact that it can run at rate uh you know with the specified cycle time and so on and so forth. Uh, if you really want to go into the details, you, you do all that and you, you transfer it to the, the again, injection model factory that will, will sign off. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what, what happens is that this um, plastic injection molding factory will do a first production, right? I mean, you haven't done the tooling for nothing. You, know, you, you want to go into production. So, are they going to store the same settings or is for example the humidity and the and the, the temperature quite different also the altitude has uh, an impact i mean you know you need to think of all that and they start running you know so hopefully you have checked their systems and processes in advance but if you want to um have a close eye on them this is a good time to to have someone on site to see again how many parts do they need to go through um, to get to um, acceptable parts uh, you know what do they do with them do they regrind it directly and put it back you know um, mm. do they do they use some virgin material virgin polymer or what what kind of um, of, of secret sauce are they preparing okay you, you might not see all that, obviously, if you're on site, they, they, you know, if they haven't done it in front of you, it's not always so easy. What are the issues, basically, you know, checking up? Um, does everything come out nicely? Okay, so, and, and basic quality inspection, right? Just checking the parts, maybe doing some tests, um, you know, confirming the, the physical properties, for example, uh, and, and yeah. That, that is relatively uh, standard. Then, let's yeah. say the, the tooling, I mean, the, that production run has finished. What do, what do you do with the tooling? You just leave it in the factory that uh, makes the plastic parts. Maybe there's, I don't know, maybe there's two months you know, between two production runs. Do you keep it there? So it's obviously very tempting for them. <laughs> um to to show your product to some other customers and maybe to use your tooling to make some other products you know your product basically to sell your product to other customers Mm. plus if they do that you know obviously it has an impact on the the lifetime of your mold right (laughs) maybe it's really going to do half a million shots but 
these half a million shots are, um, you know, you, you will only enjoy 200,000 because they, they did 300,000 for other customers, right? So mm -hmm. that, 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 that's a temptation. And so, again, if you're very hands off, that's fine. You know, um, you, you have to trust your supplier. And in some cases, that makes a lot of sense. In other cases, you just pull the, 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 the tooling out of the factory and you have it, you know, you have a company like ours, um, you know, uh, get it there, uh, inspect it quickly, put it in storage in, on, on, on pallets and in good conditions. And then when it's time to do another production run, deliver it again to the, to the factory. And it, it removes that kind of temptation. And, um, and you, you have that sort of second pair of eyes on, you know, does the mold need some, some maintenance? Um, can we see some, some signs that it's getting, um, it's getting a little bit too fast uh, into uh, end of life? Yeah. Uh, you know what? What are the the, the issues that that are starting to uh, to appear, right? Mm. Then also another benefit of that is that if you decide to switch from this supplier to that supplier, you know if you just let them have the molds, the day you pull the molds out, they know is the end of the relationship, and in China, what does that mean? That that can lead to a lot of um, a lot of bad blood. Mm. Um, you know, the entire relationship is going to be in trouble. They they might hold the tooling hostage, or they might hold some of your products hostage, or who knows what. That's actually extremely common. So, if you just get them into the habit of having the tools removed, well, you know just remove the tools and, and there's nothing special. And then you can send the tools to the other supplier, you know, and uh, supplier A will not really know what's going on, right? So that, that's another benefit. Uh, mm. Otherwise, huh, yeah, they might resist. Yeah, they might keep it hostage. They, they might say, no, actually the mold is ours. Or maybe they will say, okay, the mold itself is yours. However, we did the design of the, the mold ourselves and we did not charge you for that. So that intellectual property is ours. We spent a lot of time on that, you know, and um, pay us $20,000. Mm. And actually that is a very sophisticated argument because if your, your, your agreement with them does not cover that, it is actually a valid claim, right? So some suppliers actually uh, use these kinds of, of arguments when they are um, they, they, when they have some experience with it, right? And, and perhaps if you go down to the factory yourself in the in the times that we're able to travel into China or wherever, that could be an issue as well. Oh, um, if you have not paid them in full, or if there is some kind of conflict, uh, they might sue you, and then you mm. might get in trouble. Actually, if you're sued when you're in China, you might have trouble actually leaving China. Yeah. That that sounds pretty bad, doesn't it? Mm. Um, so that, yeah, you, you, you know, talk to a lawyer if it gets really ugly, uh, you know, don't make the wrong moves, but we're not mm. lawyers, so we can't really advise on that. Sure. Uh, but then, 
you switch to another supplier, well, that other supplier is also going to have to sign off. And again, they're going to have the excuse of, yeah, you know, your, your, your molds are not great. Yeah, that's why there's a few issues. And that's why it's, you know, we have to raise the price because actually there are some, some other problems, blah, blah, blah. Right? So this always comes by, you know, again and again. And that's why if you have them do, again, a pilot run and you have someone on site and you confirm, okay, this is the settings you used. Um, this, is, uh, this is the cycle time that you, that, that you were going through. This is the, the amount of reject you had, blah, blah, blah. Confirm, you know, then later they cannot really say, oh, it's much worse than expected. Hey, you know, that day you, you made it uh, run correctly. What's wrong now? You don't know what you're doing. It's not the problem of the mode. Okay. So it's, it's a good way of um, keep, keeping the risks down, just pushing it back to the supplier. Uh, and then again, if we look at the full life cycle, well, the end of the life cycle is end of life of the tool. And then you need to go again, uh, you know, make a new tool. And then over time, people, you know, get a little bit smarter, have some new ideas to make it a little bit better. That that happens. And again, the wood idea, right? Uh, and, and it might, if you are more... Um, confident about the volumes, maybe you make it with two cavities, four cavities, right? To, um, it's going to be more expensive, but, uh, you know, production will be much faster. And with the same mold, you will make many more parts. So that that's um, something to keep in mind. So if you look at it, sort of A to Z, wool life cycle, these are the, the typical steps and how buyers can get involved in uh, managing the tooling. Yeah, there's a, it's almost can be split into four sort of steps, can't it? So you've got the design of the tooling, the fabrication, then the management of risks that happen whilst the tooling is in use. And then what happens when you're between productions or you're moving to a new manufacturer or, or uh, yeah, so, it's quite interesting to see it in that scope and actually when you start talking about tooling at the start of the podcast it's like well okay tooling yeah we we get that it's important but there's so much to be concerned about if you're an importer using tooling correct and actually we also we already discussed some of these points just a few months ago in another podcast episode with andy bartlett uh, yes. an industrial designer in the uk but it just comes back so often there's so much money and risk and impact on timing and, and, and so on if you develop your own electromechanical products this is very often something that um, you, you need to work on yeah yeah well andy andy definitely covered it from the perspective of uh, product designer as well which is good so together i think these episodes are are very helpful and i will include the link to andy's podcast of course that you've mentioned too to move on a little bit to the contract side of things uh, the start of the podcast we said we were going to talk about what needs to be in the contract you've also mentioned it in passing just now so what do we include in a tooling development well, and fabrication contract in order to help really lock down our IP and our access to the tooling as and when we want it? 
Yeah, well, it, there's not that many points. Um, okay. And here I'm assuming that the buyer is okay to pay for the full cost of the tooling and wants to own the tooling and wants the control that comes with it. Because usually when there's a contract involved, that's the case. Yeah. Well, you know, the contract says, you know, who owns the IP rights, all of the IP rights, um, let's say, involved with the tooling and its design. It's got to clarify the obligations of the supplier to, uh, to keep it in good working condition. Uh, it, it should mention, you know, the um, sort of the commitments of how many shots it, it should uh, endure over the lifetime. And, you know, based on using, uh, you know, such or such uh, polymer, you know, if it's ABS, not really the same as, uh, as PVC or HDP and so on, right? So try to document all of this. Uh, and what happens if you want to move on to another supplier? You know, can you pull the tooling? So the contract usually will say that, you know, if the buyer follows that kind of process to, to request the tooling, then tooling has to be made available within X days you know, and the buyer can come and pick it up. And if there are issues on the tooling, then, you know, the, um, the supplier will be responsible actually for fixing it within next next days. I mean, it, it doesn't go much deeper than that. But um, if you do not have that, you, you know, you might invest a lot of money in tooling and actually just giving it away to your supplier and then be hooked by your supplier and never be really able to, to walk away. Mm. Yeah, and we have discussed, you know, some of the pros and cons of working with the different types of suppliers, and the same applies when it comes to, you know, whoever's using the uh, the tooling. So, if you're working with, say, a contract manufacturer and you've bought your own tooling, you're going to have a lot more security and freedom, probably, than if you're working with, um, let's say, an OEM or, or an ODM who has had had maybe a big hand in developing and producing the tooling for you. But you're absolutely correct. I don't have much to add to that. <laughs> yeah, so I'll also add the link back to the uh, older episode of the podcast where we talked about the different suppliers and and sort of the pros and cons of working with them. And it really, a lot of it's about control, isn't it? So that's good. One thing we uh, haven't gone into yet is the method of moving tooling between suppliers well we have yeah a page about that so let's let's link to it basically how many you know these are the steps you need to follow and who who does what what does the buyer do what does the supplier do and um and where does maybe an inspection company fit in to uh, to confirm some of the steps yeah. yeah that's a good one to read so i'll right. include that one too great Excellent info today. Using tooling is probably not uncommon for a lot of people that are manufacturing, as you said, electromechanical products uh, around mm -hmm. Asia. So good topic today. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Adrian. And, uh, Great. Thanks, yeah. Renault, And thanks, everyone, for listening. All right. Yeah. Thanks for joining us. If you've enjoyed today's podcast, don't forget to like and share. And you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all other places that you get your podcasts from. See you next time.